Hi, how's everybody doing this morning? I see that we have uh, some of our our college folk here as well. Welcome. If this is your first time uh, joining us at DNC, let's give them a round of applause. You know, um, amazing. <laughs> so uh, we're really uh, glad that that you decided to join us this morning. Um, if you've never been to our small, weird little church. Uh, we want to invite you for the first time to experience it and all the glory of its weirdness, but its authenticity. We really, truly do love the Lord. We are really trying our best uh, to serve him and to live lives as disciples. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, we are clearly not about uh, being impressive. Uh, and I am chief most, uh, the least impressive uh, of these up here. So uh, chief most, least impressive. Least most, least most chief impressive. No, that's not right. So... Either way, uh, we're really excited to have you guys this morning. Um, We're uh, about to be moving into uh, our our kind of series on our mission and values uh, later in the semester, Uh, but Josh and Leslie asked if I'd be interested in in preaching uh, this week about whatever I wanted to. And I was like, yeah, for sure, yeah. (laughs) It's rare that you get uh, an invitation to to preach and there's like no strings attached. You're like, just preach about whatever. And so I want to talk to you guys today about, and I can't think of a joke, so just imagine that there was a joke right there that was really funny. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, so I was, I was contemplating, um, I kind of tried to think to myself, like, man, what, what is it that I could, that I could share about that would, uh, that would build up our community in some way that would be uh, life-giving uh, to us? And I was reflecting on my ministry uh, in the last uh, year or so, and for those of you guys that don't know, I do campus ministry as well. Uh, not here in Denton anymore, although I did that for a, a hot minute as well. Um, but I, um, I, I, I get to do lots of different kinds of ministry. Uh, I do a m- adult ministry in Richardson. I do some adult ministry here. I do some campus ministry uh, in the, the Plano area as well. Um, and I've done ministry in some form or fashion for about the last 15-ish years. Um, and so, um, yeah, I was thinking what has been key in my ministry over the course of the last year or so, um, especially because this is kind of the beginning of the year, and I was kind of thinking about, um, kind of reflecting on my last year. And the word that kept coming to mind and kept kind of uh, being, being brought up in my heart and mind again and again is just this idea of grace. Um, I know that's such a churchy word, and I know it's a churchy idea. It might be like, all right, guys, I'm going to talk to you about grace today, um, and as, as if that's something new. But I, I do think uh, that, that I've learned some really important things uh, about what grace is and what it isn't. Um, and, and I want to just talk today briefly about what grace is. And I think that's probably the title of my sermon, what grace is. That's like really bad grammar or syntax. I don't know if those you guys are like, like, don't end the sentence with is. Um, but whatever. It is what it is. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> what, what grace is, all right, y'all? Talk about what grace is. Let me tell you something about what it is. But yeah, grace, especially in its connection to the gospel, has uh, kind of kept coming back up again and again in my ministry this year. It's been a focal point for me, and I think it'd probably be important to, to identify uh, the meaning of both of those words. Um, Oftentimes we go to the dictionary to look up words, uh, especially in the Gospels and things like that. that would, it's not a bad thing to do. I think it can help uh, give us clarity. But obviously uh, in the original text, the text that's being written uh, in, in 
Uh, the New Testament is obviously in Greek, um, namely first century ancient Greek, but we can uh, go into that at some other point. Uh, but it's important, I think, to go and look up when the gospel writer used a word, like let's say grace, what is the exact word that they were using in their time, if that makes sense, right? And so gospel literally just kind of means news that's good, good news. So if you just had, uh, your, your, your child was just born, like my friend's was yesterday. My friend is 47 and had his first child born yesterday, a baby girl, all right? And he said he's been crying all day long before she ever got there. And then when he said, he just keeps texting me. He's like, she's perfect, bro. He's sending me tons of pictures. He doesn't know, like, you know, I was like, I've seen babies before. Uh, but I'm so excited, I'm so excited for him. Uh, because that was such good news. I was so, uh, my heart was filled with happiness whenever I found out uh, that they had given birth to a sweet little baby girl. And gospel means good news. And obviously, Jesus commandeers this phrase as the ultimate good news, right? There is no such thing as news that's better than the gospel. So what exactly is the good news? I promise we're not going to do an altar call. At the end of this, I'm just going to to share really briefly. The good news is that God loves us so dearly that he literally was willing to die for us and to die for our sins so that we can live in right standing with him, right? The good news is that this act of grace by God won us life, real life. We were stuck in our transgressions. We We're only headed for death. We had a death sentence. We were going to be executed in that Jesus offered us life. So the death and resurrection of Christ states once for all God's stance towards us. And I want you to remember that word stance, okay? Have you ever ever like a stance towards something, right? So some of you guys are fans of like sports, your stance towards your team is that you're like, I'm supporting, right? I'm on a supporting stance of them. Some of you guys hate certain teams or people or groups or things, types of movies or movies specifically or whatever. You fill in the blank, right? We have, our, we have a stance towards everything for the most part. It's very rare that we have a truly neutral stance towards anything. But the death and resurrection of Christ states once for all God's stance towards us. And I've come to believe that the heart of the gospel truly is grace. The heart of the good news, I think, is about grace. And you've probably heard that grace means unmerited or an unearned gift, and that is true. But it also has another meaning. Grace, that Greek word charis, is used preeminently of just the Lord's favor. The Lord's favor Freely extended, and this is from Strong's Concordance. I'll read it to you guys, the definition of grace. Preeminently used of the Lord's favor, freely extended to give himself away to people because he is always leaning towards them. Because he is always leaning towards them. Think about that word stance, right? His stance is that he is always leaning towards us. I'll take a quick detour here of my thinking and of my methodology in terms of how I come to different conclusions about 
the way I ought to think and interact with people and engage with the world. We are, if you call Jesus Lord, we are disciples of Christ, correct? Students of his, followers of his. Ideally, we would be like him then, correct? Jesus is who we study and desire to imitate in every way. He is the example, the highest example, of living and thinking, and in he alone will we find life to the fullest. Make sure that, that we understand. Uh, theologians call, call that um, your, oh, why the word just escaped me, Christology. Those that have a high Christology think that when Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he means that as literally as possible. People that have a lower Christology think something along the lines of like, Jesus is really wise. Maybe even he is the son of God, and he's got some good things going for him in terms of the way I should think, but I need to synthesize that with all kinds of other things, especially our current um, kind of cultural ethos. So it's him, and in him alone will we find life to the fullest. So our focus should be exactly, what does Jesus think? What would he do? How would he feel? But that requires an intimate knowledge of him from Scripture and, of course, dealings with the Spirit. Whereas this, where the Spirit teaches me as I go and as I live my life, he teaches me what it means to internalize the heart of Christ, to actually accept his life in his way as my own life in my own way. In fact, this process of sanctification, of becoming less like your broken self and more like the self God created you to be, that process of sanctification involves you becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And all the things you think and all the things you do and all the things that you say, Paul talks about it as putting on Christ and having the mind of Christ. That is what we're aiming for. I think as, as disciples, it's easy to get away from that. Oftentimes, we're starting with modern thought. We're starting with what other people think, and we're trying to fit Jesus into that somehow. Rather than starting and looking, gazing intently at Jesus, fixing our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith, rather than that, and then figuring out, man, what is, what is like Jesus from what's happening here? And that's, a, that's a, what we're supposed to be doing. But oftentimes we're doing the exact opposite. We're looking for glimpses of Jesus in culture instead of looking at Jesus and figuring out what's gone wrong here. What's gone wrong, not with our culture only, because we have become all armchair sociologists, but rather what's gone wrong inside me? What's gone wrong inside my own heart? And we have to get back to Jesus. We've outsmarted ourselves in so many ways, and it's really anything but smart. He alone is the center. So we ought to be weary of other centers and other gospels. Nothing should come close to the center. Only Jesus. Only Christ. In Christ alone. We have to be people that have so drunk from the gospels who have so drunk from the Spirit that to be anything else, to have anything else 
other than Jesus in the center of our worldview is unthinkable. That's what we ought to be. We are, after all, Christians, those of Christ, followers of Christ. But how often does Christ fill your mind as you ask yourself what you're thinking and what you're believing and what you're doing? That's the question. A moment like this happened and happened regularly in the early church as well. In Galatians, Paul was chastising the Galatians for believing something other than the gospel, basically. They basically thought they needed to, yeah, sure, believe in Jesus, but also do this other stuff, right? Some people had infiltrated them. I want you to listen to his, listen to his words. I am a, this is in Galatians 1, 6 through 8, by the way, if you want to kind of look at that later. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Listen to that first line. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Notice what they did. They exchanged living in the grace of Christ for a fake gospel. At this very moment, the world is full of fake gospels, vying for our hearts and our minds. It says, you will find life in this. The real news is this. And these gospels are what's responsible for the church going astray, for me going astray, for you going astray. We must not do the same thing. We must find a way to live in the grace of Christ. Take a moment to reflect on that. What does it mean to live in the grace of Christ? He compares it. He says you can follow a fake gospel or... You can live in the grace of Christ. That's what he's talking about. Take a moment to think about that. What would it mean to live in the grace of Christ? <coughs> With that aside, I want to share two things about grace. This is by no means an exhausted, exhaustive explanation of what grace is. In fact, I only want to suggest that grace, today at least, that grace is two things. I don't even have three points. I have two points in a long intro. Tricked you. <laughs> so two points. That's it. Grace is more than this. I can't even fathom, and I don't think I ever will. But I want to share two things that I've discovered this year, especially, about the grace of God. The first one is this. Grace is a salve. S-A-L-V-E. I use that word on purpose. Grace is a salve. I know that's a word that's not used very regularly, but actually I think this is going to help you remember it. Grace is a salve. A salve is like an ointment. One of my favorite words for it is an unction. <laughs> Another synonym if you want to find a word. I should have said grace is an unction, but that doesn't sound as like smooth. Uh, so grace is a salve. Um, 
when, when you get a cut or something like that, you put on some sort of ointment, hopefully, like a, an antibiotic ointment or something like that. that. It's a healing medicine, and that's what grace is. Our world has not seen this enough in Christians. Our world has not seen anything really different offered in Christianity since we are some of the most unforgiving, unloving people that the world's ever produced. However, I've come to find that grace is one of the most powerful tools of healing I know. In fact, I would say it's the most powerful tool of healing that I know of, that I personally know of. Grace and grace alone. I'm reminded of this scene in Luke 7. Let's put our money where our mouth is in terms of understanding how Jesus saw it. Right? I'm going to read to you this story from Luke 7, 36 and following. Just listen to it, if you would. Don't follow along, unless you're one of those people that, like, you cannot listen and pay attention at the same time. Right? So listen to this. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Imagine this for a moment. This woman's crying on Jesus' feet. This is a real thing. This happened. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied. Sorry, which of them will love him more? Hard stop. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he, tor- he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, be her for a second. You have lived an awful wayward life. By the way, if you don't associate with her in this story, you've clearly not understood the position that you're in. There's no such thing as someone who needs a little forgiveness. That's not the point of this. (laughs) Okay? So you are her. You have lived a life of sin. You have been rejected by most of your your society. Remember, this is a very uh, 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 pietistic society. You've been rejected by them. 
People think of you as a sinner, a wayward woman. And here's Jesus, the guy, he's the toast of the town, right? He is healing people. He is preaching powerfully the message of God. This guy certainly looks like he's going to be the next king at the very least, right? Turns out he's the son of God. Jesus, in front of this dinner party, it's not just him and Simon. It's a dinner party full of respected guests. He turns, and this is what he says to her. Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Imagine what she felt when Jesus said the words, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What? The whole thing? Jesus, really? The entire thing. You just, you just clean it all, just then and there, just with a word. You just said, it's forgiven. Hmm. That's the end of it. By the way, I've always thought this was interesting because in, in our culture, our words are so throwaway, aren't they? Like you can say something and it means so little, right? Like, oh, this is the best. It's not the best. It's just pretty good. That's what we mean by that. I love this thing. Actually, I just mildly like it. I mean, that's not it. Our words are so throwaway, but God's words are not throwaway. These are the same words that created everything. He did that with his words, didn't he? When he said, let there be light, light. Let there be this, that. You get it? With his words, he has the power to do anything that he wants to. And with his words, with the words that created the universe, God says to this woman, your sins are forgiven, go in peace. So it is. I cry during, I cry during most sermons, so I won't say it's surprising. But especially when I reflect on the grace of God that he would have for me, knowing what I know about myself, it's become increasingly difficult for me to focus on the sins of others when I realize my own heart. Hopefully I can stay out of the realm of ugly cry if I haven't already passed that threshold. I'm reminded of this song. There's a really cool worship band called Enter the Worship Circle. You probably won't like it. It's like early 2000s acoustic stuff. Enter the Worship Circle. We actually sing some songs for that. Thank you. She was ready. She's good. Why does it say Garrett on it in Sharpie? I'm shugging. It says, for when Garrett cries during sermons. She heard I was preaching today. So there's this line uh, from this song called Put In Me. The name of the song is called Put In Me. And that reminds me of like what grace is. But anyway, um, the song is called Put In Me. And the whole, the, the, the whole uh, song is just talking about put in me basically a pure heart. Putting me the kind of heart that, that Jesus has because I've got a messed up heart. And one of the, the lines is actually one of the first lines. says, oh mercy. Fall on me like a warm blanket, 
on my cold, cold heart. That's what I see here. As a minister, I've become an eyewitness to pain and tragedy and heartbreak. I think about my friend who lost his two-year-old daughter and took a wake up from a nap and she just wasn't there. Think about my friend who was sexually assaulted not more than a year ago. I think about my friend whose wife cheated on him and broke his heart. I think about my friend who's experienced crippling anxiety. experienced pain and lost myself too and I uh, it's hard for me to share about those things I do share them with you people but I, I have and if it's not clear I, I think the message of the gospel is that nothing can heal the broken like the grace of God nothing can heal the sins of others around me, like the grace of God. Nothing can heal this world like the grace of God. It's God's grace that won this cosmos back to himself. Jesus on the cross, undeserved forgiveness, undeserved favor. It's what's won this world. It's what's beating sin. It's what drives back the darkness. My willingness to accept God's leaning towards me and to have grace for those who have wronged me is my only hope to heal. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Jesus speaks to a Paul who's been experiencing some kind of thorn. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. The choice to have grace for others and to accept God's grace for me allows me to experience his power unlike anything else. And each one of those people that I mentioned, grace has been the healing ointment on their pain. I sat across the table from my friend who had been sexually abused. And as she described you know, the pain that she felt and the bitterness and the anger. And as we looked at the gospel and looked at the grace of God, I got to watch her make the decision. She wanted to forgive that person from the bottom of her heart. Just right then and there, just like that. Just like Jesus did for the woman at his feet. And just say, I forgive you your sins. And I got to watch as that just released her heart from such pain. Not that she still doesn't experience it, but that she's walking in a different light, in the light of grace. I want a faith like that.
So grace is a salve. If you're experiencing pain of any kind, if you are racked by guilt or shame, if you've experienced all kinds of suffering and trial, know that the Lord leans towards you, that he loves you desperately. And if you hold on to any hate in your heart towards anyone, I ask that you remember the grace that's been shown to you and that you would give it freely. And finally, grace is a lens. Grace is a salve and a lens. You may choose to see the world as the world sees itself, or you may see it the way Jesus does. But a mixture will not coexist well. A person, after all, cannot serve two masters. Has your lens caused you to always lean towards people? Or has it led you away from them? I'm reminded of Luke 6, 37 and following, where Jesus says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Many people, for whatever reason, glaze over that last part where it talks about a good measure pressed down into your lap, and they're like, yes, grace, pressed down in my lap. That seems wonderful. Uh, let me describe what's going on really briefly. Whenever you'd go to get grain from your local grain store, you'd actually pull up your tunic like this. Does that make sense? When you were a kid, I, I taught Jack, my son, this the other day. Like He was like trying to hold a bunch of things in his hand and just dropping them, and he would just pick up another thing and drop it and pick up another thing, and then it would drop. And I'm like, let me show you something. So I showed him how to put things in his shirt, and it was like the best invention ever to him. He was like, oh my gosh, I can carry so much more stuff now. Anyway, they would pick up their tunic and they would get uh, grain, right? What he's saying is the best people, the people who give the most, the, who are the most generous, what they would do is they would press it down, shake it together, and make it overflow. Does that make sense? You'd have just a ton of it, a ton of grain. So you'd buy it, and instead of it being like a little empty kind of, or a half full kind of thing, you know when you go to Chipotle, the, the experience can be dramatically different with the meat. <laughs> there are people that are, that are like, here's three pieces of chicken. And then there's the people that are like, that are like I, this is not my chicken. Scoop, and then they give you a bunch of chicken. <laughs> we like those people, don't we? That's what it means to be a person of grace. Give the people the chicken. <laughs> or whatever your meat that you happen to like is. To be a person full of grace is to be someone who actually does what it is that God does for us. God gave us lots of chicken. And he says, now you go and do the exact same thing. But so often we're stingy with our forgiveness. We're stingy with the grace that we give other people. We don't give them the benefit of the doubt. We don't give them any leeway. We certainly don't give them the same measure that, that God has given to us. But look at this. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. And I don't know about you guys, but I need a lot of grace. A lot of it. 
If I want to be guilty of anything, I want to be guilty of giving way too much. In practicality, that means that we have to see our enemies through the lens of grace. I'm reminded of this song that says, when I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother. When I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother. It means to see through the, 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 the lens of grace. It means that we see our society through it. We see them as harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, not our enemies. Our enemies are not flesh and blood, as Paul says, but the spiritual forces of darkness in this present world. I had a thought the other day that I think was actually from the Spirit, and, I wit- and actually it was him, I think, convicting me personally. But it was something like this. If you made excuses for other people the same way you made them for yourself, this world would be a wonderful place. Think about that. You cut someone off, and you're like, oh, I didn't even really see them there. Like, that's kind of their fault. They were driving in my blind spot. Right? If someone cuts you off, spawn of Satan. <laughs> right? Instead of being like, oh, they probably didn't see me. No big deal. We all make mistakes. That kind of stuff. I think if we learned how to do that, we might be a lot better off. The problem is, far from being able to see our society that way, far from being able to see our enemies that way, we have a hard enough time seeing our spouses through a lens of grace, our friends through a lens of grace. It should not be that way amongst God's people, brothers and sisters. It should not be that way. Take a moment to prayerfully reflect on which lenses that you've been wearing. Do you see people through the lens of grace? All of them. Regardless of what they think or what they say or what they do. Do you have a, I'll have grace for them if. And did Jesus have that same thing for you? While we were still enemies of Christ, he died for us. And I'll open it up for questions here in a second. Ask yourself this question. On the day that you do stand before God, and we all will, we will all stand before God, can you really see him saying, you had too much grace for people? Really? Hey, a little bit too much grace there, buddy. No. But could you see him saying, you have not begun to show grace to people the way I showed it to you. Who do you think you were? Who did you think you were? That you could exact from people a price that you yourself could not pay. We should be people who live by grace, who preach a message of grace, who understand that to live in Christ is to live in that grace and to not follow the fake gospels, the fake centers of this world. I'm going to say a prayer for us. We'll have questions, and then we're going to do communion with many. Father, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. We are undeserving, Father. Have mercy on us sinners. Amen. Yeah, maybe one or two questions, and then uh, we're going to have Manny come up to do um, communion for us. If you have none, that's also fine. I'll take it. All right, Manny, come on up.
Can you hear me? All right. Uh, good morning, church. My name is Manny, and I'll be doing the communion thought today. Of course, I wrote on my phone, just so don't forget. Um, Garrett had one word for his sermon. Uh, for my communion thought, I have three, but I'll try to be quick. Um, but it's crazy how the Spirit works, because I feel like what God put on my heart for the communion thought really lines up well with this message. Um, but I have three points, really three words that came to mind when thinking about communion and what this time means to us as believers. And those words are remember, repent, and remain. So we remember um, by remembering the moments of the Passover meal that Jesus shared with his disciples hours before his brutal death on the cross. We remember the, uh, from the death of Jesus the gravity of sin and how serious sin is to God, but also how merciful he is to us. We remember the promises God made to us and how he's remained faithful to us as shown throughout scripture in our individual lives here today in this church body. We remember that Jesus gives the fullness of life and beyond him we can't get that on our own. We remember this communion meal is symbolic of that. In John 6, 53 through 54, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And we repent. We repent not because it's a requirement for us to be right with God. Uh, Jesus' death and atonement granted us that. Uh, but we repent because of the goodness of God. In Romans 2, 4, it speaks about God's kindness leads us to repentance. And we repent because our sin is a wrongdoing against God, and it hurts others. And those in our church get hurt, our friends, our family, even people that we don't know our sins affecting. We repent because that's the loving thing to do, to acknowledge our own faults and to turn away from them, um, actively turn away from them. Sin holds us back from being the person that God wants us to be, following in full submission to Christ and participating in the already but not yet kingdom of God that we have here today. And lastly, we remain. We run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, Hebrews 12. Uh, we remain steadfast, looking to the redeeming work of God to come to full fruition. In Luke 22, at the Last Supper, he said to his disciples, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Jesus looked forward to that moment to share the last Passover with his disciples, and he looks forward again to eating with his disciples in the new kingdom. Let our church be a church that looks forward to the same. So pray with me. God, you are so, so kind to us. We are so grateful for the love that you have always shown us and will continue to show us. Remind us of just how good you are to us. Let us be a church of repentance that turns to your grace. Let us be a church changed and renewed by your spirit. You're a God who makes all things new. We look forward to your return and celebrate in the new kingdom when that day comes. We love you, and in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, everyone. It's our favorite time. Just kidding. We get to hear about the ways you can be involved in our community. Announcements time is where you get to learn about things coming up, things you can be involved in, ways you can help. And so 
the la- little bit of attention you have left in the bottom of your cup, don't waste it. Let's, let's hear these things. These are important stuff. So firstly, I just want to second, uh, do a second welcome like Garrett did. If you're if your first time here or you haven't been here for a while because of the holidays and stuff like that, we are so glad you're here. You are very welcome here. It's so nice to have faces that we haven't seen in for a couple months and then some new faces. And if you're someone who's out of college, um, make sure to go meet some of these students that you haven't met before. And if you are a student, you can also flip that on the adults and be like, what's up? I'm going to come meet you. You're, you guys are sitting over there all by your lonesome. And so meet each other, mingle, hang out, um, and get a chance to discuss. And, and we guys, we're really glad y'all are here. So um, we're glad to have you all back. The, uh, we'll be having a live stream going. You guys have seen us kind of fiddling with that as we're kind of getting that um, figured out, get the kinks worked out. That is for if you are feeling sick Sunday morning, you wake up, you feel a little not great, we would love for you to stay home and watch on the live stream and still interact there so that we can keep this sort of in-person service where people are not getting sick with each other and stuff. So that's why we've got that for the next few weeks while cases are high. We want to make sure there's ways people can still watch and be uh, aware of what's happening. And so just don't feel bad. If you wake up, you feel a little off. We'd rather you stay home, get better soon, and not get any of us sick as well. So that's what we'll be doing. We'll be doing that for a little while, um, t- TBD. But if you see us mess with that, sorry. It's, it's you know, we're not the most tech-savvy church ever. Um, we have not won any awards for that if they do that. So anyway, um, and all the information to be able to join that is just on our website. It's easy. So if you wake up Sunday morning, you're like, I don't know how to access that, just go to DentonNorthChurch.com. You'll find it really quickly. Another good way you can just be involved and be aware of what's happening in our community is to uh, join our email newsletter. We just send it once a week, and it just has the basic things you should know, important announcements for that week, and it has links and stuff you can click. You can go to DentonNorthChurch.com slash newsletter to join that, and uh, we try to make it really easy. So it's basically the template of what announcements we pretty much share every Sunday. So you'd get to know them ahead of time and already have like signed up for the thing or already have put the thing on your calendar. And then you get to just kind of chill during this time because you're ahead. Sterling knows what I'm talking about. That's what he does. Yeah, just follow his lead. Uh, the next thing is that if you're not a student, our like uh, small groups for our adults, people who are out of college, um, we are getting those rolling again for this semester. If you aren't a part of one, We'd love for you to join one. It's a great time to join one. Please talk to me after church, or you can go to our website, dentonorthchurch.com slash smallgroups, click a button, and it'll email me. And also, I think in the newsletter, I have my number. So basically, you kind of can't avoid me if you need to join a small group, okay? But we'd love for you to be part of one. It's one of the best ways for you to be involved in our church, make some relationships, grow in your relationship with each other, and also with your relationship with God. So don't miss out on that. That's our bread and butter right there, small groups. The prayer meeting that the shepherds lead once a month is on February 7th. You can go to DentonNorthChurch.com slash prayer to get some more details about that. And also you can submit a prayer request there. That's going to be on Monday night, February 7th at 7 p.m. at the Rose House. Their address and stuff like that is on our website. That's a really cool time to just to come and pray together, pray for our city, pray for our church, and pray for specific requests in our community. People who are sick, people who are going through difficult things. And you can even submit prayer requests anonymously. But there's just, it's just really cool to be able to join together and pray together for our community, for our church, for the city that God's placed us in. The gay and same-sex attraction discussion group that Devin's been working on for a while, you can go to DentonNorthChurch.com slash SSA group to sign up if you hadn't already heard about this. We're doing some of these announcements a few weeks longer than normal because some of you guys have been gone. So some of y'all who've been here the past few weeks are feel like these announcements are repeats, but we want to make sure everybody knows about these, these things. So Devin's been working on this discussion group for looking at different, pe- different viewpoints from Christians all over the spectrum, 
and some of their beliefs and reasonings and stuff like that. And it'll be a really cool time to like look at different different books, different articles, and discuss them together and find a way um, and sort of go to God with those different uh, opinions and, and outlooks and find a path forward. It's not like it's just going to be a cool, chill discussion group kind of thing. It's not going to be heated. It's not going to be crazy. So if you're if you like to be heated and crazy, maybe don't go. Um, just kidding. But check that out at DentonNorthChurch.com slash SSA group. And then uh, another thing that we've been announcing a lot, but we want to make sure you don't miss it, is this document that our uh, BIPOC team put together, which is called uh, Caring About Grace and Racism Like God Does. That's on our website. And it's just a really cool, one, outlining why God cares about race. And then, two, it has some really cool resources to read through that show that as well. And so that's a super cool document. We probably won't be announcing it a lot of weeks further, but please don't miss that. It's a really, it's a thing that will be helpful for you all to have read and looked at as we continue talking about race into the future in our church. So it's a great foundation to start. We want everything like this, where it's race, you know, same-sex attraction, lots of things that are, are important topics for our day to be a foundation of God, God's heart for people, and that to be where we start. So that's why that document's really important, so please don't miss it. Another thing that um, to put on your calendars is the Focus Showcase. Yeah. It's on Saturday, February 26th. There's details you can find and buying tickets and stuff like that is at anyfocus.org slash showcase. It's a super cool event. It raises money. It's also just pretty legit, and it's fun. So definitely put that on your calendar. There's things you can buy ahead of time. I believe I'm going to be roasting some coffee for that event. I don't normally just sell coffee for, to anybody, but you can buy some of my coffee there that I roast in my garage. It's a lot cooler than it sounds. So I do a little doodles on the back of every bag. So yeah, you're going to want to buy one. Um, and then the last thing is just giving. You can give uh, at dentonnorthchurch.com slash donate. That goes to cover the cost of our church and running our church and also to meeting needs in our community and outside of our community as well. And it's just an important thing, giving to, to what the Lord might need that dollars, those dollars for in our community and just that releasing it and being generous in that way. Uh, our goal really is to be a church that gives right back to you guys and back to our community in Denton. And so uh, you can do that at dentonnorthchurch.com slash donate. You can set up a recurring gift or you can just do it one time. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll start stacking the chairs and mingling, and adults will start meeting the students in case you forgot, and students start meeting the adults in case you forgot, and let's do it. Lord, thank you so much for this chance just to be reminded of uh, the amazing, wonderful, just abundant grace you have for us. Lord, help us to move forward today and this week with that very strongly in our minds, gratitude for that, and a, a strong desire to have that kind of grace for other people. Lord, thanks for setting that example for us first. Um, and for just piling that grace on before we even, you know, many of us knew who you even were. Um, Lord, you love us so much, and we just don't deserve it. Thanks so much for being so good to us. Help us to go forward and show that, that kind of love to the world, to our friends, to our neighbors, to strangers, to those who are closest to us. Um, and Lord, we just need you. We need your help. We need you to, to be with us, to remind us, and to give us grace every time we forget. Here I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.